Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Surviving Sister Wives, the podcast where a monogamous couple drink heavily while recapping Sister Wives on TLC. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is Season 15, Episode 8, Can I Light You Up? Smoke if you got them or something. I get. I don't know. Right? Can I light you up? This was like Mary's pickup line? Can I light you up? It's definitely a question. Can I light you up? <laughs> the answer is no. No, Mary. <laughs> yeah, no matter what question or where you're placing the emphasis, the answer is no. That's all we know. This was such a good episode. It brought the fire. You didn't like my pun? I get it. I think I get it. <laughs> so much happened in this episode. I don't know how we're going to have the time to get to it all. There's a lot to unpack. As they say, a lot to unpack here. My only quick summary note that I had was this whole family needs a lot of therapy. <laughs> a lot of therapy. And not a fake therapist. We need to go to a real therapist. No more Nancy. Plus, who's got the time to drive eight hours round trip to the therapist? It's not convenient. Not efficient. During a pandemic? Forget about it. (laughs) It's not going to happen. So we're going to try and jump right in here, get started. We got the TLC description to kick it off. Cody finally returns to Janelle's house. But the larger family conflict over COVID-19 rules continues to grow. Then, it's Cody and Mary's 30th anniversary, and Cody shows no interest in rekindling a romance despite Mary's intense interest. I gotta say, I think the writers took some tips from us when we complained about the short episode descriptions. They are longer. Now we get a whole paragraph. I'll give them that. And boy, somehow they make Mary sound more desperate than she actually came across in the episode. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll chat about that a little bit because she was seeming 
pretty desperate, pretty thirsty. It was quite an experience, to say the least. All right, let's get down to the rewrite so that we can jump into this episode. Truly takes her quarantine frustration out on a pinata. Mary celebrates her anniversary. (laughs) Cody complains about his unlovable, cruel, snotty, complaining wives. Shitty, too. I think some of them are shitty. (laughs) They had to bleep it out. A lot of love in this episode for an anniversary episode. You can feel the love. It's multiplying and dividing. All right. So we start the episode out and we don't get our warning about how the crew had to evacuate Flagstaff. So we're off to a good start. This is a good sign. Yeah. Not warning about self-shot cell phone footage. So I'm filled with optimism to the brim. And we're back in Janelle's backyard where we have the professional production crew here because her house It makes the most sense, doesn't it? If you were going to return in the middle of a pandemic, the first house you would go to is the house that poses the most risk to the family. Have you picked up on that connection? That was pretty good. And I also liked how this is eerily familiar to their conversation that was posed and presented to us as if it were happening during quarantine, which was still definitely professionally shot. So I feel like the kids just went inside, changed their clothes, shuffled around the uh, the seats here on the back patio and now we're having it's a totally new conversation <laughs> new day new talk you wouldn't even be able to tell we tried to go on mole watch by the way <laughs> which i feel like we owe some explanation of before yeah. i move on maybe we'll stop for a quick pit stop for some context on that statement so for anyone who isn't on the social medias Janelle had to have a cancerous mole removed from above her lip. This is the mole that has been growing for seasons. You'll notice in some of her couch interviews, it's gone. That's because it had been taken off. And you'll notice in some of her self-shot footage, it's there. So depending on when this is happening in the timeline, it's there, it's not there. And the mole removal happened sometime in May. I think it was around May. So we were trying to look to see, but those sneaky producers, they had... The side without the mole facing the camera. Yeah, Janelle was working her angles on this one. They shuffled that chair and she made sure to spin it over to the other side. (laughs) So that was unsuccessful. Could not determine. We couldn't nail it down. No definitive mole proof. So we're here for a serious conversation because what else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about COVID and how Cody doesn't come to the house anymore. This is a big deal because Hunter is graduating from the Air Force Academy, and they're going to have a watch party at the house. Because again, this is happening. It's in Maryland. You can't travel to it. So they're going to stream it online, and the family's going to watch it on their computers. So they're checking to see if Cody will be able to come over. They're extending the invite if he can come over and watch a laptop screen with them. (laughs) Not sure. Not sure if Robin has run this by the doctor yet. Can the virus travel through a computer screen? Do we need to worry about that? What if Cody touches the trackpad, touches a mouse, the keys? I think a mouse could transmit it. (laughs) We got to be careful. At this point, we don't know for sure. What is this? May 2020? April. It's April. April 2020. We have no idea what's going on. Will he come? Won't he come? That's the big question. There's a lot of debate about if masks are enough of a precaution for Cody. The boys think not. Gabriel seems to think that even if 
they stayed at home, quarantined from everyone, completely isolated. Cody still wouldn't come over. Something tells me that is the first thing that Gabe has said this season that makes a lot of sense. There was a lot of truth behind that. He said that with some strength and conviction that I have not seen. That had research behind it. He knows. He knows what's going on. He knows his dad. Come on. Savannah, eh, I'm getting used to the way things are around here. It's like a a new normal, as you would say. Ooh, Janelle didn't like that. (laughs) Janelle got freaked out by that. She's like, I've been building this family culture for 30 years, and I'll be damned if we're going to let a virus break us up. Do you think she was actually upset about the family culture situation or that she's just a few steps away from being pushed to the curb like a piece of trash like the rest of the wives who aren't Robin? Yeah, we're getting dangerously close. Just getting dumped. He'll just never come back. Yeah. He's done it before. Remember. He's not going to call you. Mary made the mistake of telling Cody to stay away. Janelle has said the same thing for different reasons, but she said the same thing. He might never come back. Those wires might get crossed. He might forget why you told him to stay away from the house. You didn't specify a period of time, and that is very important in conversations with Cody. These vagaries need to be defined. The long story short, the boys are pissed at Cody. They don't like that he's being so cautious. They don't feel like the level of caution is necessary given the level of risk that they present to him. We hear a lot again about how are they getting food? Aren't they going to the grocery store? Risk is risk. Good thing nobody in our family is at risk. Whoops. Wait, did you get a text from Robin? She'll let you know. Saul is a top risk. High, high risk. Gotta protect him. Then we get some footage of Cody defending himself on the couch. Is he defending himself or is he just bashing Gabe for having a girlfriend? That's true. He is very upset that Gabe has decided out of all the time in his short life that he needed a girlfriend right As a pandemic started. Oh, and he's going to hold it against you, personally. Cody will not forget this. (laughs) Wasn't Cody married at the age that Gabe is now? At least once. (laughs) Just want to point that out. But he doesn't like this girlfriend. I feel bad if she ever has to meet him. Because he feels like they're being forced to play Russian roulette every time that Gabe goes over to his girlfriend's house. They don't know the genealogy of her exposure. I don't think that's the correct terminology. Mormon's very big into genealogies. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go to 23andMe to get a COVID test. <laughs> Cody's building a family tree out of all the contact tracing, which honestly, in their family, a lot of people are interconnected in that way. A lot of crossbreeding. It's communicable by tree root. <laughs> Be careful. I did like that Savannah got a little mouthy. And she came after her brothers for the fact that she can't get to see her siblings because of the choices that they are making. Because when you guys do you, I don't get to do me. It's true. It's true. And yeah, it's nice to see her hold the boys accountable here in this circumstance because, yeah, she's bummed out. She can't see her siblings. This whole thing's stupid. Although, even if they were being careful, I still don't think she'd get to see her siblings. Robin's not letting anyone in the door of the Shira Chateau. Count your blessings. So here's where Cody gets on his high horse, where he's holding himself to a higher standard here to mitigate risk, as he would call it, of exposure for the not just the family, but for society as a whole, because he's such an upstanding guy. Now, I'm really shocked to see Cody take these stances. Are you? Do you agree with that? Because this is the complete opposite of what I would have expected of him. 
and again, if you if we wind the clock back, if we have twenty year old Cody in a COVID pandemic, forget it. That dude would be out and about without a care in the world. King Solomon had healthy lungs. Be a whole different story. They'd be going to Disney. They'd be first in line. It's all coming down to the big question that we had in the beginning of the season. It's nice how these things just connect back, isn't it? The boys say that the whole family's going to fall apart if they keep doing things like this. We can't have this separateness, the separateness that existed before COVID that now exists during COVID, but now it's going to destroy the family. It's just getting easier and easier to be apart from each other. Now it's so convenient to have this excuse that we're not allowed to go to each other's houses or call each other on the phone. Again, we don't know how this spreads. And that's when Robin speaks up because she's always got to give us her two cents that we don't care to know. She claims that she feels bad. She doesn't cry, though. She doesn't give us any tears. But she says she feels guilty. She feels bad because Cody is spending so much time at her house. And that's just not the norm. But it's not her fault. Everyone else is making these decisions. They're choosing for it to be like this. It's pretty interesting how she can take the high road there and be so noble about pointing out how unfair this entire circumstance is that she gets Cody at her house this much. It's unfair. But then also simultaneously gets to be the victim in that as well because it's not her fault that the situation is set up like this, that she gets Cody at her house nonstop in this way. It's these other people's decisions that force Cody to be at her house eternally. Convenient. It's just strange how that works out. It all lines up. Now suddenly we are celebrating Truly's birthday. And I'm so excited because we questioned where this footage was. And this was something we needed to bring some lightheartedness to the episode. And son of a bitch, that disclaimer's back at the beginning of this segment. They snuck it in. (laughs) We thought we were done with it, but then it just popped back up. Here comes the self-shot footage. Here comes the cell phones. (laughs) You think their producers were like, edit it, fix it. These bitches online keep complaining that this was not self-shot. The audience is too sophisticated. Yeah, I feel like they were like, if we open with that again, people are just going to turn it off. We can't open with that title card again. We got busted with that tomato picking scene. Tomato gate. Christine has gone all out. She's got a pinata. It's ready to go. All Cody had to do was show up for this birthday party, which he managed to do. I was surprised by that. By the way, this is like the world's smallest pinata. This is such a small pinata. And Christine does point that out in the episode too. But that was all I was thinking about the whole time. It was dangling in front of Truly's face. I was like, what is this? It is a miniature pinata. I would have been pretty disappointed had this been part of my birthday party because it's not going to be filled with that much stuff. It's like a travel size pinata. (laughs) It's a pinata for an infant. It's a gender reveal pinata. (laughs) It's a baby smash pinata. (laughs) Baby's first pinata. Maybe we'll see a reappearance of it when we have McKelty and Tony's baby shower. You think? I think she's getting close. She's getting close to bursting here. She's about ready to pop. One thing that's not popping open, this pinata, because it may be the world's smallest pinata, but it is also the world's strongest pinata. And I guess, yeah, you think about it, that paper mache, the smaller and more condensed it gets, it's just the structural integrity of that beast. It was built with Gorilla Glue. Yeah, you can't stop it. (laughs) You can't take this apart. But that has to be a leftover pinata pole from McKelty and Tony's wedding. 
I don't know where that came from. This is at Christine's house. You know that she still has some of those lying around in the garage. <laughs> so Truly ultimately has to give up on her original attempts to bust this thing open. It's not happening. We have to resort to a tennis racket. To be fair, the little stick that they give you for the pinata, it's never really strong enough to do the job. You got to bring something a little more heavy duty. Cody suggested a baseball bat, but I guess we don't have one of those lying around. <laughs> so we got to go for the next best thing. We're going to Wimbledon. <laughs> and she is beating the shit out of this pinata. It's still not breaking. She has to murder it with the end of the tennis racket. Yes, the string manages to break before the pinata. So again, a testament to this little pinata that would. Finally, enough blunt force trauma and this thing opens up. We didn't really get to see any of the candy pour no, out of this, did we? We didn't. But we do get to hear Cody give his opinion on the candy situation. Again, didn't help plan the party. Just showed up. But he's here with complaints. We're thinking the pinata didn't open because Christine was too cheap with the candy. She went light on the candy. And so then the pinata is light because it's not full to bursting with candy. So when you start hitting it, there's no resistance. It just bounces around. So that's what Cody's complaining about. It's hard to break open because you cheaped out on the on the candy. First of all, when you're 10 years old, she 10, 11, something like that, you don't care if there's candy in the pinata. At this point, you need to start stuffing it with money. I would like candy to be in the pinata. Candy and money? Well, I mean, I would go for money too, but yeah, most of the time, <laughs> what, you're going to just drop a bunch of quarters in there? Loose change during COVID? No, Forget I it. want bills. Oh, man, that's even worse. Bills, bills, bills. You can't sanitize the bills. <laughs> I'm going to rub this down with hand sanitizer. Could have quarantined it for two weeks in the pinata where nobody could touch it. There's not a safer place. You can't trust the bills. Aside from Robin's freezer. That's where the credit card goes. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. It looked like Christine and Cody didn't completely hate each other during this segment. So that was nice. It did look like that, but then Cody complains about her extensively later in the episode. Right. Yeah. So it looked like we were on a better track here, but I guess they're still giving each other a hard time, but maybe they, they haven't really fully worked things out yet. So let's wrap up this birthday party. We get the footage that we didn't think actually existed of Robin and the kids coming over to see Christine and truly for her birthday. Returning the favor. Yes. Robin wishes, though, that they could agree on how to handle COVID so that they could be together. And then I like where Janelle changes her tune here because Robin was basically implying again that if they had a big house, one big house, one big family, everything would be peachy keen right now. And Janelle finally realizes and points out exactly what we said. There would be no consensus on the approach if all of the family was under one roof it would just basically be her kids getting kicked out of the house. Exactly. That's what would happen. So it only took her an extra week to come around to the same consensus that we came to last week. Mary, she thinks everybody's just happy about COVID. It's just an excuse to not have to interact with or see one another. Something Cody also thinks is the case. But these two don't agree on anything. So we can't say that together. What did you think about Robin saying that she wishes they could handle COVID differently because I'm still confused about what's wrong with her household interacting with Christine's household. I still can't piece that together either because if they're both staying at home for the majority of the time, because Janelle has taken herself out of the equation, so it's just Cody going back and forth between Robin and Christine's, 
And if both of them are mostly staying at home with their family, with their kids directly, why can't they just be little bubble pod people together? We need an answer to this. Because it doesn't make any sense. If you're saying that Cody can stay at Robin's house for two weeks and then go directly to Christine's house for two weeks, if he had symptoms or if he got the virus while he was at Robin's house, even a week into that, 10 days into that, he would take it over to Christine's because there's no quarantine in between the houses. That's not how it works. They don't know. No, 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 no. You're wrong, Corey. Oh. That's not how it works. What? The virus knows that you are quarantined at one of your wives' houses. Mm-hmm. When that quarantine ends, it knows that you're going to a new location and it doesn't follow you. Here's what happens. You sanitize your hands in the garage. You take your clothes off and you put new clothes on. And that is where the virus is. The virus is on the clothes. The virus is on your hands. Gotcha. It's not in your body. Right. You don't breathe it out. Right. No. That's, I'm pretty sure. Okay, this is all misinformation in case anybody (laughs) isn't picking this up. Because I know there's a lot of, a lot of confusion at this time. But speaking of confusion, it's time to make the bed. First, I was on Cody's side with this because you got four wives They all like to make their beds differently. How the hell are you supposed to remember? They all have different approaches. I feel like you would have to pick this up and retain maybe one. At least one of them. Well, he he knows one of them. Well, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) At least one. Okay? (laughs) Because if you've been doing this for 20 years, you gotta know. I guess that's a little insulting. I didn't think about it that way. This is one of the wives you've been married to the longest. Like, in order of knowing how to make each one's bed, you should... No, Robin's the least and the other's the best. You've been married to them a lot longer. So I think that's where I'm at with it. And that's what makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. As we expect, Robin makes her bed with hospital corners, which I guess is why she can't get a job. She's busy tucking hospital corners all day. Oh, I thought you meant that that's (laughs) evidence that she is mentally insane. (laughs) She is trying to strangle Cody in his sleep. He cannot leave the bed if he wanted to. She's going for that straight jacket comfort feel. She's still making sure everyone in her family's swaddled. That's how hard she's parenting over there. <laughs> she is hover parent so hard that she's swaddling her entire family to this day. So go figure. Christine's bed is usually easy to make. She just kind of throws it out there. That's why he's confused. There's not a lot of rules. And same with Janelle. Yeah, most of the time she doesn't even make the bed. She's a fan of the just tossing the comforter and waiting for it to land. Yeah, you get a big enough comforter, you can cover up the bed and you don't you can't really tell it's not really made up. It's just a big old blanket on top of a bed. Then we get to Mary. Turns out Mary's bed is the easiest to make. The hardest bed to crack, but the easiest one to make. She sleeps alone. She doesn't move very much at night, so she just slides out of bed in the morning, rearranges the pillows and she's done. In fact, the other side of the mattress like new. She hasn't even had to turn it over. Brand new. Now, we're here In Christine's bedroom, having this conversation, watching them make the bed because Cody's got to break some bad news. Turns out the Air Force Academy graduation is on the same day as Christine's birthday. I thought it was strange how pensively Cody brought this up to Christine, how worried he was that she was going to be upset or resentful. Like this has never happened in the history of their family to have a scheduling conflict on someone's birthday that they've needed to address. She doesn't care. She doesn't care at all. She's like, 
I am a 50-something-year-old woman. I have had enough birthdays. I don't care if I celebrate my birthday on the actual day of my birth. And especially for the circumstance that it is, you're going to see it's Hunter's Air Force graduation. Like, yeah, that would be a priority. So she's totally cool with it. And then Cody makes a little snide remark about how he better not hear about it later. We thought they were good. They're not. Christine is just appreciative that this is coming up as a discussion. This isn't getting sprung on her at the last possible second. She's not finding out at 5 p.m. that that evening he will not be able to attend her birthday. (laughs) Because apparently that is the system that's been in place in previous years. Yeah, he's so shitty about the situation. He's worried that it's going to be a problem in the future that gets brought up again. But it seems like he puts himself in these circumstances when it is a problem. Yeah, Cody says that he's glad the discussion went well, but often worries that these types of compromises will come back to bite him in the ass. Well, he didn't actually say that, but that's what he meant. (laughs) But I think what he's not fully realizing here is that there's probably circumstances where Christine sacrifices or Janelle sacrifices, and there are changes and adjustments that are made to accommodate another wife. I don't know, maybe Robin. (laughs) And stuff that's going on with her kids. So there's accommodations that are made and compromises where they're giving something up to benefit the other person. But then when it comes time for anything to happen with adjustment for Robin to make an alteration or something like that, in those moments, sometimes they might not be respected in that way. They won't be reciprocated. And that is when it comes up as like, well, I've moved my schedule around to make things easier for you in the past. Right. Then you have a reason to be resentful. Why is, yeah, why is this such a problem for you to do the same thing for me and take me into consideration? Because I thought it was very interesting, again, how we have Robin always swooping in here on the couch to come in like the polygamist expert, and she's never actually lived polygamy in a way. She's never lived under the same roof as these people. Well, thank Joseph Smith. (laughs) We have her here to explain to us. As a plural wife, you need to just roll with the punches. Sometimes wives don't understand the pressures pulling Cody in different directions, and they think their need is more important. Oh, like when you went on an 11-day honeymoon, Robin? Remember that? You went on an 11-day honeymoon with a man who had 13 children already and a newborn at home. Or like, spoiler alert, the day you got lost on your way to a high school graduation for Logan and needed to call Cody out to help you find your way and he almost missed Logan graduating? Yeah, remember that? Or like when you were crying about God needing to find you a rental while Maddie was giving birth to your second grandchild? So Cody had to come home and help you find a rental that didn't exist? How quickly we forget. It's a balancing act. That's tough. So it's a week later. Let's see what's going to bite Cody in the ass. Cody's going to Janelle's. It's been a month, four plus weeks. Okay. He is having a straight up psychotic meltdown in this car on the way to her house. He was like aggressive, yelling at the camera. He's saying crazy shit about how he knows he picked this lifestyle, but he's angry about what it's doing sometimes. All great things. A great way to psych yourself up on the way to see your wife who you haven't been around in over a month. He's feeling the bitterness. That's what's going on. So that's getting him all geared up. He's in the right mindset here to go see his wife and kids that he's missed so much. 
And this is where Janelle is mentioning some voices in the family. She won't say Robin, but come on. <laughs> want to be more socially distanced. And that's why Janelle has been kind of an outlier in those discussions. So it seems like Robin and Christine are kind of on the same page when it comes to quarantining and social distancing and staying at home. Whereas Janelle and even Mary, not that anybody's asked, but it seems like Janelle and Mary, a little more loosey-goosey, especially when it comes to they have kids who are making decisions. Obviously, Audrey and Mariah just rolled out of Chicago and then went to Utah with less than a full quarantine as well. So it's kind of open for interpretation when it comes to Mary and Janelle's approach here. Isn't it strange that she's saying some voices instead of just telling us this is especially odd given the fact that when we saw Robin on the family Zoom calls, she didn't really say anything. She didn't speak up too much. She did ask a few questions. Or tried to clarify like, some points. Do you think that that's a safe thing to do? Questions like that, where it's like, just come out and say what you think, because you obviously have an opinion. So here we are. It's go time. Cody arrives at the door. Here we go. He's got so much anxiety, and he can't wait to tell everyone about it the minute he bursts through the door. I'm sitting here sort of freaking out. Sorry. Yeah, Cody was sitting here a lot this episode. And then it was even contagious because then Mary was sitting here on a few things during their segments later on in the episode. I think we snuck in. Maybe there was another one, too. I yeah. haven't been keeping count as, Man, as much. It was so obvious this episode that he had been spending a lot of time with Robin. Yeah, when you increase that duration to weeks at a time, <laughs> it's noticeable. Now, they both have had a lot of anxiety about seeing each other again, which is pretty strange for two people who have been married for over 20 years. Yeah, it seemed like Janelle was worried, too. Not as vocal about it as Cody was driving over and yelling at his phone camera on the way there. But yeah, it seemed like an odd way to... Reunite? Yeah. <laughs> in this way of like, it, I don't know why it seemed so out of the ordinary. Like, oh, wow. After 20 something years of marriage, we can just pick up where we left off. And it's like, were you not talking at all during the two weeks that he was, or the, you know, however oh, many no, weeks. A hundred percent. He barely talked to her. So that's where it's like, dude, just because you're at another wife's house, I would say, especially because you're at other wives' houses more so, you should be calling and checking in with Janelle. She's on her own for over a month. That's the first interaction that's strange. Now Cody moves on to seeing the kids and he's telling them about the anxiety that he has had to come here because he's been afraid that they didn't want to see him. Which, to be honest, valid thing to worry about because two-thirds of them didn't want to see him. That's a nice thing to project onto your kids. Go ahead and dump that emotional baggage onto them. <laughs> he gets really pissed when Janelle tells him that the boys felt like he was ruining the family by keeping them separated and that they're mad. So mad that Gabe just keeps eating his banana and diverts his eyes when Cody tries to talk to him on the couch. This is where Cody's still taking precautions, but has to keep asking himself, is the cure worse than the disease? That sounds familiar. I wonder where he heard that from. The short answer is no, the cure is not worse than the disease, as far as being required to volunteer human sacrifices to keep the economy going. Not always behind that. Who's going to buy all this metal horse wall art in Janelle's <laughs> living room? If we can't go out to the store, can't be taking these kinds of precautions. It's amazing how he goes to another wife's house and his whole outlook on life changes. Is the cure worse 
than the disease. Robin thinks that Solomon has a pre-existing condition because he had RSV. Nobody at Janelle's house has RSV, clearly. Just saying, we aren't very clear on the danger level of diseases in this family. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, we're moving into the good stuff now. This is where it gets real. This episode, it was all fluff until now, because this is where things heat up. So we're off to a bad start. When Cody refers to their anniversary as Mary's anniversary today, I mean our anniversary. It's a big day. Big day, big plans. All they can do, though, is get takeout and drive around, which is what we theorized they did anyway. That is true. I think on our season 14 recaps, we talked through what a typical Cody Mary date would look like, and a lot of it had to do with Applebee's takeout, if I recall correctly. And Mary's excited to hang out with Cody because she's been missing these date nights full of Chili's baby back ribs. I'm on my baby back, baby back, baby back. I'm on my baby back, baby back, baby back. I hope we can't get sued for that. Sweet. <laughs> Swing and buy Applebee's for some half-off apps. Get those to take out. Yep. Maybe a margarita to go. Turns out, feelings not mutual. Cody, not so pumped to do this. He is only coming on this anniversary trip because he is here to be paid by TLC. I'm just here so I don't get fined. He doesn't even know how many years they've been married, and it is a milestone anniversary. This is the Rice Krispie year. Mary actually has given this man a gift. She has prepared 30 Rice Krispie treats, one of Cody's favorite things that she cooks. It's all he wants from her now at this point in their life. It's all she has to offer. And I don't know, going out on a limb here, I think saying that Mary went out of her way to make these, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. No, they sell them at the inn, at Lizzie's Heritage Inn, her homemade Rice Krispie treats. Okay, so uh, again. She just ripped those Lizzie's Heritage Inn stickers off the front. No, well, here's where I'll say, again, while they were at the inn, she probably grabbed a handful of them that were about to expire. (laughs) She just has a whole bag of those, and she's like, yep, that's what it's going to (laughs) be. Didn't have any visitors over the past few months, so I've got a lot of these left over. I usually have a bowl by the front door. We had to close down for quarantine, so... These things are rock solid. These things are turning into Rice Krispie bricks. You're going to chip a tooth on this. She didn't even lace them with laxatives because those should have been the Cody 
30th anniversary treat. That would have been the move. Yeah. That would have been some good footage out in that field. Secluded field. When you got to go, you got to go. So legit, he doesn't know how many years they've been married. Again, not great. To be fair, Cody is convinced it's 31 because honestly, any moment he spends with Mary feels like an eternity. Feels so much longer. A moment too many. And this is when we get the great debate from the wives about what they cook best. What is their best culinary creation? And surprisingly, Christine does not mention her hummus recipe. Yeah, that didn't make the list. No, but she decides to tout her chicken noodle soup with homemade noodles. That sounds like a step up. That sounds like too much work. Maybe that's new in the repertoire. Quarantine. I have to say, those fish tacos she made in season one, not good. So I hope that we've improved. It left quite a bit to be desired. Janelle admits she's not great at cooking. Nothing right home about. She just pulls those tomatoes fresh out of the garden and serves them up like that. Nice tomato sandwich. A little bit of mayo. Why not? And Robin, Robin makes some bold claims here. She says that she makes lasagna. That's the bomb. And cheesecake. That's also the bomb. Bomb lasagna and bomb cheesecake. Strange that we didn't see her make a homemade lasagna or a homemade cheesecake for either of her kids' birthdays on the last episode. They got Olive Garden takeout. So if that's going to be where the bar is set, I'm going to go ahead and wager that her lasagna sucks ass. (laughs) I didn't see anyone asking for it on their birthday. Everybody was perfectly fine gnawing through the breadsticks, (laughs) hollowing out the center of them like It was a dugout canoe. (laughs) You know that she makes this lasagna with cottage cheese. Ugh, the worst. And nobody debate me on that because you're wrong. Yeah, if you want to start some shit with us, try and tell us that cottage cheese belongs in any sort of baked pasta dish. And I'll tell you, you're wrong. (laughs) All right. I guess we have to move on from this. But don't believe you, Robin. You're a liar. If it's true, post the recipe. Prove us wrong. Yeah, maybe go on Twitter and at her for the recipe. Everybody, come at Robin asking her for this lasagna recipe. I don't feel comfortable doing it because I'll be too aggressive (laughs) in my manner of asking. So I'm asking you as our listeners, if you're feeling as compelled as we are for the proof, we need the receipts, we need the recipe. If you're looking for Robin on Twitter, she is at love gives you wings. But every word is spelled incorrectly. So get a pen and a piece of paper. At L-U-V-G-V-S-U-W-N-G-S. Yep, that's it. And there's a link to my sister wife's closet if you're interested in making a purchase while you're there. You can't. It's down for renovations. All right, so we're in the car now. We're kind of making our way to the car. We've got past the Rice Krispie treats. Our formalities are out of the way now. Cody didn't give Mary a present. Can we just point that out? He absolutely did not. He came empty handed. He sure did. His presence was the present. So that's rough. And it turns out, if you can believe it, Mary and Cody haven't seen each other a lot during the COVID. (laughs) In fact, they're celebrating something today, but Mary doesn't know what it is. Because they aren't a couple. They're so not a couple that they haven't even seen each other since the last time that they celebrated their anniversary on national television. A year ago. 
That was the last time they've gone out of their way to see each other and go on a date, spend any time together. That's kind of impressive if you think about it. Like, it's hard to avoid somebody that much who's in your family. Especially when it sounds like Mary's been texting Cody to hang out and he's been ghosting her. She's trying to get him Netflix and chill. Anything. Nothing. Nothing. Not interested at all in a whole year. The strangest part about this revelation of their last date happened a year ago on their anniversary, which isn't really their anniversary because, again, they're not a couple. I thought it was very strange that Cody wore this as a badge of honor since he was so proud that their relationship doesn't need to rely on such trivial things like communication or bonding or dates. But they don't have a relationship. Isn't that the point? Yeah, so this is where I got confused because I was like, why are you saying this is a good thing? We don't even we don't even need that junk, all that work, none of that. It's great. We can just get together, throw a couple of backhanded compliments and jabs at each other here back and forth, and then I just go back to Robbins. It's a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> Wait another 364 days and we do it again. So the whole conversation in the car is just Cody gaslighting Mary trying to get her to leave. Oh my God. Let's let's just make it clear. We're not throwing the word gaslighting around. That is exactly what is happening. It starts when Mary points out the fact that they haven't seen each other in a year. And Cody asks if that troubles her, which it clearly does, which is why she brought it up in the first place. So then Cody's reasoning, again, just get on this train of thought. You ready? If we wanted to do more, we would. If we wanted to hang out, we would, but you text me to hang out and I ignore your texts. That didn't happen. You didn't reach out to me. And that is the problem. So this is where Cody is setting up. This is a very interesting scenario here that he's putting in play because he's setting up an impossible barrier for Mary to get around because he's basically saying, I need you to reach out to me. I need you to court me and woo me, Mary. But I'm also going to reject every advance that you put before me. Exactly. So there's no, there's nothing that Mary can do at all. So we got that in the books, right? But then Cody also claims that he is trying to help Mary determine if she wants a spark in their relationship or if she's just lonely for anything. His solution to her feeling lonely is to isolate her more which is the condition that started the entire catfish problem in the first place. It's like the biggest mind fuck. Everything that he says. Because then Mary's like, I don't know how to talk with you about this, man. Like, because can you imagine being in this conversation when you're trying to like hold him accountable to what he's saying? No, he can't be held accountable. That's the problem. They're just talking in circles. And again, it's we're just setting up scenarios so that Mary is always at fault. Mary's not doing what she needs to be doing. Cody isn't impressed and it's never going to work. And Cody's the victim here in case you didn't know, because this all started long before Janelle joined the family. This is how far back his issues with Mary go. They've gone to therapy. It hasn't worked. Hasn't reignited the spark. What is the spark? The spark that he keeps talking about. How, how would you define the spark, Cody? I don't know, because it seems to me Cody has decided Mary is a person that he does not like 
that he does not value spending time with, and he doesn't even want to do the bare minimum to have any type of relationship with her, never mind a romantic relationship. So this is when Cody shifts gears here. He throws out a theory that he's been working on. Cody thinks that they just miss the idea of their relationship. They don't actually miss each other. And he states that as fact because he's trying to gaslight her into leaving. Because Mary's like, no, speak for yourself, dude, because I want to be here. I want to fix this because we've we've gone through fights like this over their entire marriage. It's been this cycle where they have a breaking point fight and then Mary finds someone else for Cody to marry. <laughs> and then they come back together and formulate as a, as a family again. The whole time, Cody is trying to convince Mary of the opposite of everything she says. So she is actually still drawn to Cody, to the fact that she would like to act on it, but she doesn't because she sees that it makes him uncomfortable. Yet, he claims that he wants to be pursued. So this is where, again, he's just dumping it all on her. You need to flirt with me. You need to win me back. And then when Mary tries, he rejects and she withdraws. So this is the cycle that we're stuck in right now. Mary wants to be loved romantically, but there has to be that spark there for him. And that spark, that's Mary's fault that it hasn't reignited because there's a lack of interest from her. And I think it's very strange that Cody can tell Mary that she doesn't have an interest in this when Mary herself is telling Cody directly, I have an interest in this and I am pursuing this. So him saying that, that's not even accurate. You're not, you're not saying anything right. I would have thrown myself out of the vehicle during this conversation. So this one, Cody comes right out with it and he just tells her flat out, I don't miss the relationship with you, Mary. Maybe you could have opened with that before you told her all the things that she was doing wrong and the things that she could do to fix it. Let's just clear things up. You don't want a relationship with her. So she probably shouldn't waste her time. Am I wrong? Or is that where we're at? Because then again, we're caught in this cycle where Mary is waiting for him to open up, for him to get more comfortable to being around her again. And he's not willing to go halfway, to meet her halfway anywhere on anything. Mary needs to come to Cody and fix this, but also be dismissed whenever Cody feels like it, which is all the time. And then he drops the real truth bomb on us here. He says that his faith and his conscience will never allow him to suggest she leave. He won't outright say that to her. And that's what we're seeing play out here. Instead of just telling Mary to fuck off, he's inventing problems for her to try to fix. So she spins her wheels doing that for another 364 days and leaves him alone. He's a gentleman and he doesn't want to have to tell her to divorce him. He wants her to come to that conclusion all on her own. Mary, though, she's not a quitter. She won't go. She's trying to give Cody the respect of hearing what he has to say, even though it's not easy to hear, which is just code for I'm going to let him continue to mentally abuse me instead of leaving because I'm staying out of spite. There are very few reasons better than spite to stay in a marriage. Let me tell you, <laughs> that marriage will last. Then Cody says he doesn't treat people cruelly which is really him trying to tell Mary that an issue with her is also that she treats people cruelly, which she denies. I thought it was very interesting, too. There was a point where we were kind of cutting back to the conversation in the car 
because it was from one of the couch cutaways. And then we were coming back to the car conversation. Cody was asking to table the conversation at that point, whatever point in the conversation they were in, because Mary was about to start breaking down and going into more stuff. So I thought that was interesting too, to see that edit where it sounded like Cody was asking to like, maybe let's not talk about this today right now. So I think the reason this footage is so fascinating is because there were no camera people here. It's almost like the camera has faded away and they've forgotten for the most part until Cody comes to and realizes that he's looking like a real asshole. And maybe we can roll this back a little bit. But I think that's why we're seeing the truth of the matter come out because they're definitely more transparent than they've ever been before. Yeah, it was kind of strange to see that like unveiled before our eyes here. Uh, it was disturbing. This is not a healthy relationship. No, yeah, this is, and something tells me this is a typical interaction between Cody and Mary. When they get in a car and drive somewhere <laughs> alone, this is most of the conversation. Then Cody says, Mary wants to be loved, but she has to be lovable. Again, he's asking for the impossible. <laughs> <laughs> he's setting Mary up to fail. But again, it's put on her. I would love you if you were more lovable, which is like, what kind of manipulative bullshit is that? Manipulative, abusive bullshit. And you have to set goals that, or like, not even goals. You have to establish, okay, what does progress look like in our relationship? Does that mean going out once a month? Does that mean going out once a, a quarter? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Can we please spend some more time and like talk through stuff more or like try to make an effort? Because it's never going to work if Cody is just expecting Mary to snap her fingers and fix their entire relationship by changing everything about herself to conform to his idealistic version of Mary. He doesn't have an idealistic version of Mary. He has the wife he wants at home. Her name is Robin. All of these extra wives, he doesn't need them anymore. I think he's in a position now where Mary has wronged him. Mary fucked up with the catfish situation. So now he gets to determine how she needs to be in oh, order yeah. for him to accept her back into their marriage, into their life. All she did was put him in a power position for the rest of their lives, that he's going to hold that over her head and that is going to allow him to dictate the terms of their relationship. So this is the anniversary date that just keeps on giving. We find a nice secluded area in the woods to murder each other. <laughs> they brought the tarp and everything. Yeah, they're laying it out. They're getting all set up, checking over their shoulders for any witnesses, passerbys. Nope, coast is clear. It's all looking good. Mary sits down, which wasn't a good decision. Should have waited. Let Cody be the first one to sit on the tarp. Yeah, you got to be careful in these situations. You're a woman alone in the woods with an angry man. Let's make smarter decisions. Have your guard up. Keep your guard up. Mary makes the mistake of hinting at snuggling under a blanket together. So Cody sprints back to the car to get her another jacket instead to avoid that scenario. This is such a chivalrous act of Cody. He's such a gentleman after telling her off in the car. Chivalry's not dead, but Mary might be. <laughs> Gotta be careful. He's going to get something out of the trunk. Yeah, we don't know what he went to go get. You're still on the murder tarp in the middle of the woods. Mary was quoting Goodfellas before, but she has not learned anything because you face oncoming traffic. Turn around. Make sure you have eyes on him approaching you again. Funny haha? -ha? Funny like a clown? What do you mean funny? And then Mary goes full interrogation mode when Cody gets back, too. So the true crime continues. 
She pops on the light from her cell phone and she's blasting him right in the face with it. <laughs> so she's got her phone in his face and she's making innuendos. Cody's not into it. So she starts questioning him. Does he find her flirting gross? Does he even understand when she is flirting with him? Mary's asking the real questions. These are the questions that need to be asked. They're very direct and they're getting to the point here. But then she goes one too far. If I lean over and kiss you right now, would you push me away? And that's when he gets super uncomfortable and looks down and is just like, um, no. Because he knows he's on camera, but he's getting scared. Well, he knows he's on the murder tarp. Right. <laughs> he's getting scared. Now, we're talking about flirting. We're talking about kissing. We're talking about romantic relationships. This is a problem because Cody, his family, they don't want to be a part of hookup culture. Romance and sex are reserved for people who are in love. So I'm going to go ahead and stop you right there, Cody, because that's bullshit. If you're saying that sex is reserved for people in love, that doesn't sound like religion to me <laughs> because on that basis, that's not that doesn't jive. It's always wait until you're married, not wait until you're in love. <laughs> well, now that's important. We can't be passing the hormones from mouth to mouth. This is where I suspect this sounds like a Robinism. Oh, 100%. This is not religion. This is Robin. Sex is reserved for people in love, so you shouldn't be having sex with Mary, Cody, if you don't love her. Well, remember what happened to Robin when she engaged in hookup culture. Ruined her life. Gave away her purity. Just threw it on the ground. Broke it. Got married, had three kids. Biggest mistake of her life. The longest mistake of her life, too. Nine years. Took a while come to the realization there. So that's where we left Cody and Mary chatting about kissing. And then out of nowhere, Cody just turns to Mary and asks, do you eat corn? He had to break the tension, didn't he? What would you do if I just leaned over and kissed you? Do you eat corn? That's the response. That's the appropriate response at this time for Cody to ask Mary if she eats corn. She eats bananas. We know that. Yeah, was that a subtle dig? Was he, <laughs> was he hinting? What else did he eat? Yeah, uh, maybe he was just trying to make sure her Chipotle order was right. <laughs> but we're right back to the same old song and dance. Mary feels rejected and Cody's not interested. We finally hear about that conversation. Remember the great conversation they had in the car on the way home from the Darker's house? Turns out, wasn't that great. That's why they didn't bring any cameras with them. Got a little dark when they started talking about how attitudes have manifested since the move to Flagstaff. So again, to frame this into context, that was the end of a very long day for the Brown family. And they're coming right off the trip. They went to visit the Dargers in Utah, who are a successful polygamist family who all live under one roof and are seemingly happy with that situation and that scenario. Cody, being the thief of joy, compares his life to that of the Dargers. And it's not a good comparison. So I'm sure he was feeling pretty shitty on that drive home about where he stands with his family in Flagstaff. So this is where Cody decides he's done talking to Mary about their relationship. He's just going to bitch about plural marriage in general. He's trying to be patient with where he's at. But when wives tell him that their lives have sucked, he can't do anything to change that. And it's pretty irritating to hear that feedback after all these years. Sometimes he has to satisfy the needs of a wife he has no interest in satisfying, and that's not fair to them 
for him. He's really selling plural marriage to America. He really hit bottom and got completely hopeless about the family arrangement and organization that they have in place. And then accused everyone of just complaining about the separateness to cover their asses. That's a Robin move. Yeah, where it's it's something that she benefits from, yet is still somehow a victim in that scenario. Now we get really vague. This is confusing because it comes across to Mary like perhaps he's talking about her. But he says, no, I'm, I'm talking about a wife of which he has four. Mary is one. So it's not too hard process of elimination to try to figure out what he means. But he has a wife who he thought was happy and actually wasn't for many years. Her name is Christine. Right. This is very clearly the story of Christine because I hated how Cody went into the vagary story and would not clue Mary into this. And Mary, of course, when they're talking about all the problems in their marriage right now, she assumes when he goes into this parable that this is somehow related to her and that he's dissing her without saying her name. So she's trying to apply this to her life, but he's not even talking about her. And Cody knows that. Cody admits that. He wants Mary to think that he's talking about her, but he's not. And this has to be Christine because you know that Robin reported back on that whole conversation where she did the flyby pit stop. Oh, of course. That was the whole reason for the visit. Then Mary asks Cody, what does he want for his family? And he says that he wants wives who like each other, who don't say shitty, snotty things that break each other's hearts. Again, Robin's words coming out of Cody's mouth. Just broke my heart to hear Christine say that she felt like everybody hated her. Even though every time I'm around her, I kind of hate her. (laughs) He's done with this. He's too old. He's not going to just sit here for another 10 to 20 years. And make mistakes in relationships that can't be fixed. This is when Mary calls down the power of God to come and smite Cody and make him love the unlovables of the earth and their marriage. Which technically is a tenet of their faith. I don't know if they realize this because I'm pretty sure Jesus did say at some point, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. So yeah, you should love people who are unlovable. If Cody was asking directly, which he did. No, we're done with religion. Cody is done with his religion. That is true. That is that is clear by this conversation. This is when the conversation kind of shifts here. This is this is where it starts to steer more into like a business proposition. This or like a this is almost like the Mark Zuckerberg Facebook story here, where it's like, I didn't start this company to have it run like this 30 years and now you don't believe in it. Type of a thing. So Mary's like calling Cody out about like, we didn't start this whole polygamy thing to just have you bail on it 30 years into the fact. Could have been going great if they hadn't shot down his one big house idea because he is still holding a grudge about that. Don't be mistaken. Cody is seeing the parallels between the failures of him and Mary's relationship and overlaying that in the grand scheme of the larger family. We all appear to not want to be together. So much so that when Cody builds his vision board, he doesn't have one for the family. He can't visualize them together in the future. Now, Mary is like, the fuck? You have four wives, 18 children. What are you just going to pick and choose who you keep? Precisely, Mary. If he has that opportunity, yes, he will do that. In fact, he just wants the unhappy people to leave and find something that makes them happy instead of badgering him about it. 
Okay, so I think I understand what Cody was trying to say. He does not say it in a constructive or approachable way because I think basically what he was saying was that people who have been unhappy for so many years, I don't know how to make them happy because he thought that they were happy during most of their lives, but now come to find out they weren't. If you weren't happy then, you're not going to be happy for what's coming next. I promise. (laughs) Get out while you can. That's when he hits us with, I don't want a big breakup. I want a big commitment, which sounds positive. But then we hear love isn't really unconditional. Maybe that exists, but he's not offering that here. (laughs) My love is conditional. And that means leave your happiness at the door. Stop making your unhappiness make me unhappy. Just leave me alone. I think, again, it's like I can kind of see what he's saying where it's like, if you are unhappy and you have been unhappy this whole time, and nothing will make you happy, then you should leave because you not being happy is impacting my happiness now. So it's this weird roundabout selfish way still of trying to be like, "Eh, it's good for you to get out now because you're never going to be happy in this if that's the case. But I think what he's really asking the wives to do is shut up, grin and bear it and suffer in silence. Which is what they are supposed to do in their community stay sweet and they've quit doing that and he doesn't like it it's not working anymore shocker it's funny because this is the way a lot of monogamous relationships end i guess he's had so much practice you're unhappy i'm unhappy why don't we just call it i think we're done let's just find happiness elsewhere yeah all that time with robin living a monogamous marriage really rubbed off on him. Yeah, I think it's changed his state of mind permanently here because, and again, I I kind of understand what he's saying where he's like, I can't be the arbiter of happiness. I can't grant that upon you. I am not the key to everyone's happiness. Clearly, I'm not able to provide that. He doesn't want to say that, but I mean, we all kind of know that already. Yes. Someone's always going to be upset. No matter what we do, somebody's going to be upset. He doesn't want to hear the problems anymore. That's why Robin is the arbiter of happiness now. He wants everyone to find their own happiness that does not directly involve him. If you have a complaint, leave it with the complaint department. (laughs) The complaint department is Robin. (laughs) Please do not address that. Yeah, I can pick and choose what I want to address, but most of the time, I'm just going to throw it on the back burner. He puts it in a pile that he doesn't look at. (laughs) And that's why things don't improve. So this is where Cody reminds everyone, nobody's stuck with me. They can leave if they want. And Mary's like, yeah, again, that's very damaging to hear that because that makes people feel very unwanted. That's not a way to fix a marriage. You don't just say to your partner, if you don't like it, you can leave. Eric from Married at First Sight. (laughs) Like Stanley on The Office. I told it to my first wife. I told it to my current wife. I'll probably tell it to my third wife. (laughs) Are we going to be committed Are we going to be a family? We don't have to be the family that disintegrates because they don't work through issues. We're already there. There's just a few tatters of this cloth left. Happy anniversary, Mary. Okay, this was maybe the weirdest interaction of the entire episode. Because he had to repeat it because she didn't say anything? Yep, that was pretty weird. (laughs) Happy anniversary, Cody. It was such a weird way to end out the episode. And then they drove home in silence. You know, that's true. You know, he didn't even wait to make sure she got in the door safely. Almost blew a tire ripping out of there. 
Next episode, the Brown family is having problems communicating. Can you imagine? When did that start? Came out of nowhere. Janelle tries to fix something, but maybe some things just can't be fixed. Christine doesn't feel important. Then, Robin opens up to Cody about having more children. Sounds like Robin should get tested because she's got baby fever. Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. Be sure to tweet us about the episode at surviving underscore pod. Stay tuned. Share with friends. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.